Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpastes created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, Pronamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit Ibotta to earn cash back. Hey, everybody. Gamefly. It is the best way to buy and rent for all of your favorite games. Gamefly puts video games where they belong in the hands of the gamers who love them. Listen to this. One monthly fee, unlimited video game rentals to all the popular titles from Madden, Call of Duty. It's as little as 54 cents a day. There's always free shipping. You cancel any time. Over 9,000 titles to choose from. You can find your favorite. You keep the games as long as you want. There's no late fees, due dates, nothing. They have movie rentals. There's so much to do. You go to Gamefly.com slash Collider. Do that again. Gamefly.com slash Collider and start your free premium 30-day trial today. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie. It's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rumhaven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality shows back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Celebrate more for less at HomeSense. More yummy, the best cookware by far. And three cheers for bar. More I love it gifts from chocolate to spa to ooh la la. HomeSense, cheer is here. 
Hey, Collider fans, this is John Roca, the producer of Heroes. If you like this show, you are going to love the Jordan Harbinger Show here on Podcast One. Jordan dives deep into the untapped wisdom of the world's top performers, from intelligence operatives to legendary musicians, iconoclastic writers to visionary change makers. Listen free each week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. In honor of self-improvement, you may also like the Dr. Drew Show, The Good Life with Stevie and Cezanne, or Revenge of the Jocks with Martellus Bennett. Only on Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Welcome to Collider Heroes. Today we're going to talk, is Henry Cavill done being Superman? Maybe? Is Iron Fist Season 2 awesome? Maybe. <laughs> We're talking to the showrunner, and we are almost certainly going to talk about Spidey PS4, because we can't stop. Inevitably, that will come that. up, because I can't begin <laughs> to acknowledge a world where that doesn't exist, because it's changed my life. <sighs> Hello? Hi! It's, it's, it's episode, I tried to say issue, it's issue 270 <laughs> of Collider Heroes. I'm Amy Dallin. I'm Koi John Rowe. And we are joined by a very special guest. Ashley Victoria Robinson. I've been here a lot. You know who I am. Right? Welcome I'm going to say that with confidence and arrogance. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. You're sitting in front of Spider-Man. You. you can say everything with confidence yes, and arrogance. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Have you played? I have watched play. I have not been, uh, I've not had the time to play. Uh, running a Kickstarter is a full-time job, guys. Uh, <laughs> but my favorite thing about the game is that you can do the, we were actually talking about Silk before the show started. You can do the selfie mode where he has the mask and just the underwear from Silk's first appearance. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about the game so far. But what I do think is interesting is that Marvel video games are like, Almost only good if Spider-Man is in them. <laughs> I mean, we don't talk about that. It's not wrong. It's okay, it's, but I mean, uh, DC games are only good if Batman is in them, so... They're working it out. They got some kinks. Yeah. Some character <laughs> universal kinks. Speaking of the world of DC... Yeah. Um, what's so going this on? Is, this is all breaking as we're doing the show. We are like three statements and counterstatements in and waiting for the rest of them to show up. So please keep tweeting at us as you've been. But as of this morning... There was a report, a apparently well-sourced report from Boris Kitt in Hollywood Reporter, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that Henry Cavill might be done being Superman, or rather that Warner Brothers is, is done, done having with him anything being Superman. for him to do. It's been a big will there, won't they, morning? Because then his manager said that he still has the cape in his closet, and mm -hmm. that's going to go. We have a tweet, I think, from his manager. Uh, this is a reminder of the Man of Steel that was... Or pay, mm -hmm. maybe is. I'm going to hold on to it as long as I can. <laughs> I, I know. Love Henry I know. He's such a good Superman. And so she says the cape is still in his closet. Stay tuned for a statement from WB. 
but there's a third wild counter development in the story, which is the deadline Hollywood said not only is this done, but they're looking into the future to maybe Michael, Michael B. B. Jordan is being eyed already for a down-the-road Superman. They make it very clear they're looking at later, which I think is a very interesting thing to be like, well, we're going to let the dust settle, but we've already got him in, like, in holding? Like, how long do you have someone on the bench like, I'm ready, put me in, Cap? Like, eh? Why does Michael B. Jordan get to play in every superhero universe? Because he's, he's so handsome. If you have a he party, is, you invite Michael B. Jordan. I mean, that's like, a good rule. very handsome, and he is very talented, but it's I guess it's. I feel perplexed by like he's the one that everyone wants. Yeah. He looks he, like the Creed. The actors. After Creed, he just like you. You put him in. You put I him guess, in. Yeah. But there <laughs> is Ryan Coogler going to direct Superman? <laughs> so what do we think? What's happening? I think a lot of people are saying a lot of things definitively that aren't as definitive as... On the perhaps. internet? Get on right the out internet. of town. Did you know that sometimes people say things in periods and they should be dot, dot, dots? Uh, I think what's happening... real newspapers. Oh, well, yeah, Hollywood the, Reporter is. The thing I have the problem with the internet is that everything's always chasing the byline. Like, yeah. everything's always chasing that. Like, I put my name on it before it was true and then it became true. Mm. So I feel like since there's such contradictory information, everything is... The dust hasn't settled. The ink has not dried. But since everyone wants to break a story, they're rushing to break a story. This might end up being true. By the time you see us saying this, it might be definitive. But as of 10 a.m. or whenever, whenever we saw the last headline, it wasn't true yet. So I don't know that it's going to be fair to anyone to say this is what's happening. There's also... There's a new statement from Warner Brothers. Uh, oh, oh, my God. Really? Uh, listen, while no decisions have been made regarding any upcoming Superman films, we've always had great respect for and a great relationship with Henry Cavill, and that remains what, so, is so, what, what seems like to me what this means is that someone in WB, that there's probably been a decision made about the future of the DC universe. We know that, we know we're getting at least up to Wonder Woman 2, and we know nothing about anything coming after that, especially not a Flash movie. Well, I, um, I thought Flash was back on the table. I don't know. Depends on my, what day of the week My conspiracy reference. theory is that until Jeff Johns is announced as the director, that movie's never going to happen. Mm. Uh, that's my, like, kooky conspiracy theory. But it seems to me what I would hazard is going on is that somebody inside the upper echelons of WB mentioned something that hasn't been mentioned to Henry Cavill or his reps yet. Um, and mm. if it turns out to be true, and this is the way it breaks, it's not in the best decorum it's not taken with the, the most care but i think it's a real bummer because i like henry cavill i've enjoyed watching him as superman and i really would have liked to have seen a superman too. he finally got to be in the last 20 minutes of justice league he got to be the superman that i saw him as mm-hmm. like he he like love or hate Zack snyder's universe i'm not commenting on that at all i'm commenting on superman and in the end of justice league henry cavill felt like superman there was a complete tone shift there was a color shift there was a flavor shift everything felt finally like there was the boy scout there was that that eager so wanting to help henry cavill like i've always said that man from uncle is the best like clark kent story like i love how he is in man from uncle and i want that as superman so i thought man of steel 2 would finally get all of the pieces together so i think he deserves if nothing else one final full chance to be superman if he doesn't get that by way of someone breaking it at the higher up and then he finds out in twitter Mm -hmm. you imagine like i love henry cavill that's not fair and that happens my read on the article was was less that that something has probably been definitively decided behind the scenes and mm-hmm. more that like what what we might have here is that somebody sort of almost casually was like yeah we're not currently doing anything with superman and someone was ah. like you know what we aren't currently you aren't currently doing anything with superman and he's Geralt of Rivia and he's getting busy and like you know we we don't know where he's going from here the one concrete thing we had in the article was that they said scheduling conflicts prevented him from doing a Shazam cameo um, that was in the, yeah, the, the yeah. rundown. And 
And so it seems it seems possible that that in combination with like, okay, but do you think you'll be calling him? And they're like, well, we're not sure. Like, it may be less that they're like, we've definitely decided on a reboot and more that they're like, mm-hmm. there's just literally not currently anything for him to do. Oh, and we do have new management in charge of the DC film division within Warner Brothers. So it's interesting. I think that this is one of their big first public forays since that happened. And it seems a little messy. Yeah. But that just might be tantamount to what happens when you get a regime change. And know, it that, might not mean anything. <laughs> yeah. The, we, we know, uh, just to, to throw it back, we know that John would have been disappointed because he really wanted a Man of Steel yeah. 2. Yeah. Um, and I was never a big fan of the, like, bring me that because I was like, there's so much other stuff they can do. But there really isn't much reason they couldn't work on both. And I don't think it needs to be either Supergirl or Superman. No, not at all. I love the family. I love the aspect that, or the concept that he's already this thing and then his cousin comes in and they're both their own independent entities that are both so powerful both so different that shows the truth is to carry that stuff forward they need to find a filmmaker who wants to step into that version Mm -hmm. of the universe and carry it forward and i i don't know i can i'm gonna miss him as superman because i liked him a lot but i'm not i i I kind of get if they're like we need a new vision of something that makes a certain amount of sense you really need to just start over at that point like if they're getting rid of ben affleck they're getting if 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 then that's another (laughs) one that's sort of like every five minutes you're hearing something else about batman i really think they should just make independent movies for all the characters that are not tied together and then if we feel like playing in the justice league sandbox again we'll consider bringing the same people back what I'm worried about is your theory being correct and that it was a it was both a statement that was made out of context and then it was a bunch of people looking at the schedule and realizing they didn't have money or anything and then this turning into an actual problem by way of the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine if you're like, I just wasn't on the schedule. Like, you're, you have a job you love and you just weren't on the schedule then all of a sudden everybody's like, well, I want that job and then you lose that job because you just weren't on yeah, the schedule. Yeah, they're like, oh, you did I bet wrong. you're fired. That's what happened, right? You like, screwed the internet up and you got suddenly fired? made it a real thing yeah. and that would be horrible if the internet made it more real than it was because everyone's so wanting to break news. Although to, we're all talking to about be it. honest, and Amy alluded to it, Henry Cavill's doing fine. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he yeah, has yeah. a lot of amazing <laughs> projects um, that are also going to keep him in the realm of nerdery. Uh, James Bond is coming up for grab any minute now. He's been almost James Bond before. Yeah. He was almost Edward Cullen before. And if they the dude has been uh, almost Josh a bullet not being Edward Cullen. Um, <laughs> if we get, I didn't know that was a thing. He was like oh, the yeah. guy that was like in the top three for every. He was, he and was he was almost, almost Superman. Superman before. Yeah, he instead was of Brandon Ralph. Wow. He was considered the unluckiest man in Hollywood for a really long time. And but now it's continuing. But now and- it's, I feel like it's still there because he's been almost Superman in the movies that he's been Superman. And like he's been <laughs> playing a version of it that you can tell he wanted to slightly alter. Like I'm, once again, I'm not speaking ill of the franchise. I just think that he's been like chasing this version that he was going to land on. Like it's an arc. It's a structure. I feel like he finally landed where he wanted to. And they're like, you're not in the schedule, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but three movies of Superman like is a run. It's weird because it does feel to us like, oh, but he was just starting. We almost got a Superman movie. We got three movies yeah. with him as Superman. For most actors, playing a part three times is like a full run. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't Sag feel payment like scale it with him. Goes up after you play the same role three times. What? So when you're in movies and you're a SAG actor, if you play the same role more than three times, you get a significant pay bump every other time you pay them because uh, you're viewed as in danger of typecasting. Really? Oh yeah, Hugh Jackman makes yeah, so much money there's like playing a Hugh Wolverine. Jackman clause now because yeah. after ten movies, he's like, "Well, yeah. guess what?" Uh, that was something that they made, I believe, in the '90s or early 2000s. So oh. it's good to play a role more than three times. So I, I guess if if the Shazam cameo fell apart for contract reasons, they said scheduling, but yeah. that would be a fourth Superman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I so I hope that we get Henry Cavill back. I hope personally that the Superman that we were getting towards is the one we land on. I would like to see a final full complete arc with the character because we've had, you know, a couple like we don't feel like we have a complete one. Even those three movies, it doesn't feel complete. So I personally hope this isn't true. Hopefully by the time everything settles, we'll know more definitively what's going on. Warner Brothers statement sounds more like them just going like, well, there's a lot going on at the office today. We'll get back to you. <laughs> it sounded like a voicemail. Like that did not sound like a definitive anything. So I don't know. I was intrigued by the bit in the article that said he can't be in a Supergirl movie because he'll be a baby the whole time because that's a little bit strange. Uh, I guess that means she's not coming to Earth. I guess. That's that interesting. Means she's not that's a whole other discussion. Maybe she fights her way through the Phantom Zone with baby Cal. Maybe that's the whole movie. Um, I don't know. <laughs> can, they get, but can they get the same baby from Man of Steel? Because I'm really... I'm in, continuity I love issues. continuity. Yeah. <laughs> How old is the baby from Man of Steel? Where is he now? He's uh, got to be like five now, right? How yeah. long ago was Man of Steel? What is math? <laughs> we, we don't know. So, well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. And but, like, this is a this was a real article. Like, they don't run to press with stuff like this unless somebody said these things. And so. someone credible and enough people vouched for it. And enough signatures had to go to get this printed in very credible magazines. Right. And this isn't from uh, mycomicblog.com, like Amy said. It's from reputable sources, which I think is why we're talking about it. And yeah. I think it's why it seems to carry more weight. And there's another story later on in the rundown where Henry Cavill will come back because he should perhaps play someone oh, with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of uh, uh, incredible first-hand sources, our next story is going to be a pretty exciting one. This week was also the premiere of Iron Fist Season 2, uh, and we have a chance to talk to the showrunner. So let's go do that, Koi and Amy. <laughs> uh, so we have Iron Fist showrunner Raven Metzner here in the studio, and I am so excited to talk about season two. Thank Excellent. you so much for coming. Welcome, I'm man. excited to talk about it, too. It's good to be here. So Iron Fist season two is a very, very intense, action-packed, thorough show. And it really establishes, and we're going to be light spoilers because it just dropped, so I don't want to reveal too much, but it really establishes a, like a, a shift change in where the show can go. And I was really proud of the boldness of that. Oh, cool. uh, what did you, when you came up with this season, can was that Can you talk that, a bit about how it's stepping opening? in here? Yeah. Um, well, I was not like a, a part of season one, and I wasn't working at Marvel. I was working on a different show. But I did, I did watch season one, and uh, when I came to Marvel, I sort of... Um, I had a couple of ideas for that were big ideas for how I wanted to sort of shift uh, the show and evolve it a little bit. Um, it was very clear that we weren't going to start a whole new story or do a prequel story or a, <laughs> you know or pop to some other place. We we're going to we we're doing a continuation. So um, I wanted to find a way to evolve the characters and evolve the setting. So a big thing for me was taking the show onto the streets of New York, mm. uh, specifically downtown New York. Mm -hmm. uh, Danny and Colleen in the in the uh, Marvel Universe on Netflix, they, they live in Chinatown. Like, there's a geographic address that if you ask the people at Marvel where they live, they'll show it to you, and it's in Chinatown. So we thought, let's have their adventures begin on those streets, and also let's set up a world for them. Mm -hmm. And then part of that world also, I think, was about uh, deepening character and learning more about the characters and their relationships, growing those relationships, evolving those relationships. And then... Um, the action, which you mentioned, yeah. uh, pacing the show up a little bit. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, those are the three big things. The character, 
stuff, the world, and then just the pace, giving more of a forward motion to the whole thing. It felt like you guys really listened to everything people wanted after season one. And and kind of it felt like almost like reading message boards of like, this is everything season two. When you went in and pitched the season two, did you come with certain expectations of things you wanted after watching season well, one? As a- I, did, well, I did as a fan. I didn't read any of, I didn't know anything about like the press about it because as I said, I was on another show. Got so mm-hmm. I wasn't aware so much of big ticket items that, that, that fans or, or people were asking for. But I think as a fan, I probably wanted a lot of the same things. Yeah, that... you were like, more Colleen! Yeah. I just, in a non-spoiler way, we all came out of Iron Fist 1 being like, that she's amazing! Please <laughs> give us more. Yeah, well, I think also, specifically with Colleen, it was very important to me. And look, it was really important to the, to the folks at, at Marvel when I first... So when I sort of said this, they were like nodding. But it was like, let's make sure that Colleen has her own story. That mm-hmm. she's not a a sidekick or a backup character that she's there, you know? And then the other big thing as well was just uh, about talking to Finn and, and getting to know Finn and giving him and the rest of the cast the time they needed mm-hmm. to uh, to do all the things they need to do, specifically action. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, one of the big, big things that makes action great is not just bringing a genius like Clayton Barber or a great camera person like Niels Alpert. Like, it, it is about scheduling. It mm-hmm. is about making sure that people have the time they need to, uh, before the show even starts, to go and go to a gym and get trained and, be, and, and get the head right and then to learn how to do these stunts correctly. And then the amount of rehearsal time that was spent during the season for all of our actors was immense. So I'm just so, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a really big, like, sort of tonal shift. So I came with story ideas, but I also sort of came with, those kind of ideas, like about how we're going to rework the, the the meat and potatoes of how to make the show, you know, and I had some really strong partners in that. Our producer, Tim Isofano, who had been on Jessica Jones for two seasons, knew the Marvel world, knew the world of New York City, and so we sort of partnered together, and David Dobkin, who came in to do uh, direct the first episode, mm-hmm. he had done Into the Badlands. Mm-hmm. He had worked with a lot of fantastic Hong Kong uh, mm-hmm fight teams and he and he'd done shanghai nights so he and i geeked out on story <laughs> but we also were geeking out on how to make how to really make it you know how to make it work so i feel like and i feel like also although it's a second season there's so many pieces of it were new myself included that for us we had to find our way through and find our feet and find this, this new tone so i'm really glad to hear you guys say that you felt that mm-hmm. because I mean, I think, and also, I look, Marvel and Netflix, I'm so grateful that they took that chance and took that risk to let us try these new things. So, uh, yeah. The, the training, ask, it totally reads. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, why Iron Fist? Me? Yeah. Hmm. I am a giant uh, comics nerd. I've been reading... This is exactly what we love to hear. Yes, oh. go on. <laughs> I've been reading comics since I was a little, little guy. And uh, I'm kind of... Uh, uh, I have a, a kind of encyclopedic knowledge of everything comics to the point where it's, you know, I used to have to hide it, but now uh, you know, I was in, in grade school, but now it's okay to talk about it. I love comic books. So um, there's many characters that I, that I connect to. Um, when I was a little kid, um, uh, my parents would let me buy, I love Marvel comics, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. Um, they would let me buy those comics, but they, they kind of 
wouldn't let me buy um, sort of Marvel horror like uh, Werewolf by Night or Morbius, and they wouldn't let me really read the the, the martial arts comics because they felt like they were too violent. Uh, so uh, Iron Fist, uh, Shang Chi, Shang Chi. Uh, any of that stuff was like no go. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I had to have it. So I had, a, <laughs> I had a best I had a best friend who was allowed to buy that stuff. So I would go to his house, and he had a stack of everything he knew I wanted to read. Um, that was a little bit, you know, what my parents considered not on the leading. <laughs> and amazing. I had a bunch of stuff that he was like, okay, cool, I'll try that. And we would just trade comics. Oh, so I read a lot of the early Iron Fist comics. Not only did I love it, but also because it was like forbidden fruit. I was like, <laughs> you know, and there was, and, and there was, I don't know, he, he, I think I loved about when I was, when my parents were okay with it was when I was starting to read the Power Man and Iron Fist stuff was that I grew up on 105th and Broadway in New York City. <laughs> And they lived above a theater in Harlem, a movie theater yeah. in Harlem. So I felt like I would look out my window, go on the way to the bus, and that Danny Rand and uh, and Luke Cage might be in my neighborhood. <laughs> so to me, the idea of working on one of these Marvel Universe on Netflix shows was was I, I was dying to do it, but also specifically Iron Fist. You know, I was that that's a character I adore, and also one that I don't know just connects with so many things. In my life, you know, this season feels like a love letter. This season feels like a someone who loves Iron Fist and, and is reshaping slash shaping season two. And I really appreciated how much it felt like uh, I, I got to meet Finn Jones a couple times, and his energy is so specific, and he's so chill, and he's so like focused, and you listen to what he has to say, and all of that translates really well in season two, where it feels like Danny Rand, Iron Fist, Finn Jones became one person. And I really liked how watching the season, I was like, oh, that's Iron Fist and Danny Rand, and I really appreciated that the show giving it time to find that like the pace was perfect by the time we got to the point where he was accepting that he was iron fist i was like oh he's accepting his iron fist yeah was that something that was conscious in the pacing yeah absolutely and also i really i really appreciate your saying that about finn um he is a really special human being i mean he's just his energy is so positive and mm-hmm. i think that's a really rare thing to find in the world and he came into the season with such incredible energy and good energy and uh, it was something that I, one of my, I don't know, a way I like to write is rather than writing against, creating a character that's against the mold of the person, I like to meet the person, talk to the person, and then try to find ways to bring things about, the char- about that person into the character. Uh, you know, Finn uh, loves music. Uh, he even DJs some nights in Brooklyn. Hmm. You know, he does. And so we were like, let's give Danny some records. Like, let's make that part of... I was part talking of, about the records. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, he, I was like, you know, do you like hip-hop? He's like, nah, yeah, I like hip-hop. You know, I was like, I know Danny liked it in season one, but something you're into? He's like, nah. You know, I was like, he's like, but I love records. And I was like, well, let's, let's give you some records. On, so and, and, and it's the same with, with sort of with all the different players this mm-hmm. year. Um, I met with them before the season started. I talked to them, tried to get to know them. And also, David Dobkin and I, when we had the first script... We actually, before we started talking about story, we just sat with everyone for an hour and a half and just sort of said, like, tell us about you. Who are you? And then we start, we, as much as we can, the writer's room, when we find out something about somebody that feels comfortable for them and it feels right for the character. So in that way, yeah, look, I mean, I think Danny Rand is a character who, for me, is, I love it because he's growing and maturing over the course of these seasons, mm-hmm. right? And Finn Jones is a young guy who is growing and maturing as a as the star and lead of the show as an action hero and as a as a person like we all are mm-hmm. so i don't know like it's funny 
a lot of people say to me, like, you know, well, isn't Iron Fist, like, the best martial artist in the world? And isn't he, like, the most zen, perfect person? I'm like, he will be. <laughs> but, but this is television. I yeah. mean, this is, you know, this is, this is long form. Like, and, and so Finn and I, in our conversations, we've been really conscious about how we're, we want to evolve the character and stay with him as he grows. So a lot of the choices we made, yeah, were choices that came from that sort of that mixture of the the person and the character. Yeah, and it, and it showed. That's fascinating. Were there any other big surprises from from working with your cast and putting together season two? Uh, big surprises. Um, well, I think <laughs> one of the things that was really fantastic about this season for me was the chance to sort of bring Typhoid Mary uh, into the Marvel Universe on Netflix. That was so exciting. I love the character. It's um, interesting, as, and it is a surprising choice. We mostly know her as a Daredevil villain. So yeah. why and how Typhoid Mary? Well, um, it came because, uh, for a couple different reasons. One of the first things that I pitched uh, is in the season, which is that uh, the season's a lot of, it's about duality, right? And the, I pitched the very first image, which is when I pitched the, my idea for the season, which is we start on a yin-yang. And that's mm-hmm. the theme of everything. It's the character theme. It's the season theme. And Jeff Loeb... Uh, we were talking about possible characters that he wanted to introduce or bring in. And he, and when we talked about the theme of duality, he goes like, how do you feel about typhoid Mary? And I had the same response. I was like, first of all, is that a real thing? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's a real thing. I'm asking you. And then, and then I, I was like, well, I mean, it's daredevil. He goes, I know it's daredevil. Raven. You know, but, and so, uh, because she represents duality in her, being Mm -hmm. it was so perfect you know and then also i love the introduction of the daredevil run how she sort of comes in as mary and has that relationship with him and so i said to him i was like can we can we bite off that and he was like absolutely like but let's do our let's do our own take on it so that was a surprise to me but the (laughs) one that i was really excited about and then the other big surprise was in a good way was alice eve we created these personas or she created them with us as the season went on because you meet her as Mary. Mm -hmm. So everyone has read the script with Mary in it. No one has read any scripts besides me who's writing them in the writer's room. So no one's met Walker. So (laughs) when we're sitting in the table reads and all of a sudden this voice comes out of her, it's Walker. Everyone's like, whoa. So I think her character playing her as a slow burn, as a surprise, made her a surprise to everyone as we discovered (laughs) her sort of as we were filming. So it was really... I mean, my hat's off to Alice. She, she really brought fire, and uh, it was really. But yeah, in terms of surprises, hmm, that was a pretty big one. <laughs> <laughs> I was also really impressed. Netflix is known with their villains. Like yeah. the, the shows have the time to breathe, so you're invested in the villains as much as the hero. Yeah. Davos this season, his his depth and the the credibility to his belief system and all of the things that like you don't want to be like. Well, I kind of see it. And Netflix has done a really good job with the villains always having that. This season, I feel like Davos his. Creed was so believable, and his training was that something that you spoke with the actor about beforehand? Did, did he bond with those kids? Did he have his own, you know? Uh, creed? Well, first of all, Sasha is one of the most uh, gentle, caring, and wonderful people I've ever met. So it's funny that he's Davos because it's like <laughs> it's, it's you, the two. They are not. It's like you're saying, but Finn is kind of like Danny. Sasha is not like Davos, <laughs> but he is 100% committed to the character. Um, one of the great things about working, again, at Marvel and with Netflix is, you know, our villains are, we call them antagonists, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's really important that 
um, and this is something that I, I believe as well, that um, when done right, you're supposed to almost sort of understand why your antagonist is doing what they're doing and almost go, well, this makes sense. It's not some, you know, Magneto is the perfect example yeah. of a philosophy that you go, okay, his methods are wrong, but I understand why he's angry and understand what his issue is. So uh, Sasha was really on board with the idea of digging deeper into the history of Davos and what makes him tick. Mm. And to also go into the mythology of Kunlun and play with that fight so it became complicated Mm -hmm. emotionally and that it became a family issue. And it became, uh, we start to wonder, what what does it mean? Why did those things happen as they did? And yeah, and Sasha with those kids, he was, he was fantastic because, you know, he really maintains his character. So he was strong and and on top of things, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, he cares for them because they're his sort of apostles, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it it just showed. And I love that. Uh, this show is next level uh, season. I've been up till 4 a.m. every night finishing it. Oh, I, cool. I watched every night. I had so much work, but I was just in deep love. And the last two episodes are amongst the most shocking I've seen for this genre. I was really surprised, impressed, confused, shook. Uh, so I can't wait for people to catch up. I don't want to reveal too much because it has only been on for four days. And I'm not that guy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, kudos uh, for everything you've accomplished. But we can't show. say, do you have some plans for the future? Yeah, I, mean, I have a lot of plans for the future. Um, it's interesting. I think a lot of them in those last two episodes, I think you can see or guess where my where my head is going. Um, uh, and uh, I think I have a lot of sort of also there's a lot of pieces that I've laid in that I hope I get the chance to uh, to play out. Yeah. That last frame, I hope I get to see played out. The last, the last moment, I would like to see an entire season of. Season two is available right now. Watch it all. Binge it. Thank this yeah, man. I love season two so much. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate no worries, it. It's been such a pleasure talking with you guys. Thanks. Yeah. So Amy and Coy just got back to talking to Raven Metzner, who told us so much about Iron Fist Season 2. I really, really like that season, and I love hearing how much he put into it and the heart and soul of Iron Fist. Felt like it was back through that man. I had a good time talking to him. You guys ran back so fast, I'm really impressed. Well, we're talking about the Flash and Iron Fist. So we got to make sweaters on our mind. Thank you. Uh, and we are going to do our full reviews of that at a later time, but because ne- we got a chance. Yeah, I think next week we'll be able to dive into spoilers more because then you will have seen it more instead of doing a four-day turnaround. We'll give you some time to breathe <laughs> and not stay up till 4 a.m. playing Spider-Man watching Iron Fist in equal succession. Who are we talking oh about? Oh, God, it's been rough. <laughs> I haven't slept. I need to sleep. Uh. Sleep for Koi. Hashtag. Uh, in the meantime, are we ready for some minor mutations? Let's, Let's minor do mutate. it. So a lot of news this week uh, in the minor sense. A lot of things broke that are about to be exciting, starting with Daredevil Season 3. We got our very first teaser. It is just as dark as it looks in that frame. (laughs) 
<laughs> dark. Literally dark in every way. Uh, no, it's pretty exciting. It's just a glimpse. I like that they piggybacked it off of Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a rumor. I can't wait to hear somebody expound on. This is a wild, unconfirmed rumor. <laughs> Captain Britain and the Black Knight in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? But they don't know what it Amy. What? 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 <laughs> what is it worth? Fun fact, Silas' brother. So maybe Olivia Munn's going to show up? <laughs> we don't know. Also have Black Lightning and Thunder will always fight for justice as the name of the season two promo for Black Lightning. I am very excited for the show to come back and I'm very excited to talk about that promo. We're also going to talk a little bit about Spider-Man PS4 because we literally can't help ourselves. They've tried stopping me. It hasn't worked out. Oh, uh, We're also going to talk about Ruffalo confirming that Avengers reshoots are more than what you might think and that the movie actually isn't finished. And also that the MCU Hulk's biggest fear is Banner himself. Ray Fisher has given a statement he is not holding his breath on a cyborg movie and he's told us why. And we also have some Captain Marvel character details we didn't have before, including that beautiful image confirming Minerva. And we are I'm going to theorize about Jude Law a little bit. I got some ideas. Okay. So those are all the minor mutations. We also have a small thing. There's too many spaces in my rundown, and I can't read. Uh, Small thing. We have a ton of news this week. It's going to be a physical suit. It's going to be a hard R rating. We have three major castings. We've got lead, Abby Arcane, journalist Liz Tremaine, and maybe Swamping himself, Derek Mears. And finally, Superior Spider-Man is coming back. That's right. Doc Ock is once again a Spider-Man. If you've been following the comics, it's in a very weird way. There's clones. There's a lot of messiness, but we'll talk about that, too. What a good freaking costume <laughs> gorgeous cover oh it's so yeah. good <laughs> so now that we're actually done <laughs> i'm really good at my job what jumps out of you about mounting mutations guest uh, choice super bummed that ray fisher might not be coming back a cyborg yeah. um regardless of what people think is justice think of justice like i really enjoyed it i have a good time every time i watch it he stands out to me as just being fantastic he brings so much humanity to a character and a character who has had a lot of really bad adaptations and a lot of really bad stories and i I thought he was such a joy to watch and i really would have loved a standalone cyborg movie now i understand the difficulties in trying to craft that because he doesn't have a lot of great solo material to pull from and we have a new cyborg who's going to crop up in titans i'm sorry i don't remember the actor's name i'm sure you're going to be great too um, and his reasoning is fair and sound, especially coming from an actor absolutely. being like, it would cost $200 million because I'm made of CGI. Like, that's a very fair, especially for an actor to be like, I'm sorry, this is where we are. It's a yeah. little mean, though, to promise someone a movie and then be like, just kidding, we realized it's But was he promised? Was, was it ever in the contract or was that just a press release? That, you know, there's a yeah. lot of sort of levels. Like, like if he if he was never contractually obligated... It's not that much of a tragedy. Um, if he was contractually obligated, they're going to buy him out of it. So he'll still come out pretty good. I'm just really bummed by that because I thought he was a delight in the Justice League. He was really good. Yeah. Uh, i got to talk about Captain Britain. Okay. <laughs> so explain this rumor first so that we can put this in context for folks. So the rumor is that Pinewood Studios, which is where Marvel shoots 90% of everything they do, they go on location, but Pinewood is the main hub. Pinewood is gorgeous. Pinewood defies your brain when you see it. Pinewood's it's in awesome. London, right? Uh, there's one in London, one in Atlanta. Okay. They usually shoot the one they in Atlanta. They built the one it's... in Atlanta for Marvel because Star Wars is the London base usually. Okay. So Pinewood has booked out time 
and space for a movie that is registered as Captain Britain and on that time is also booked Guy Ritchie, is the rumor. So then you put two and two together and four is Guy Ritchie is making Captain Britain. Cool, you want if it's Excalibur? I, I would love oh, that would be this. I love uh, Nightcrawler. So, Guy Ritchie, I am <laughs> a Katie giant... Katie Nightcrawler and Pete Wisdom and... Yep. Oh, Pete Wisdom sucks. He's the worst. And Guy nobody's fine. <laughs> so, Guy Ritchie gets a lot of guff. I am a giant, giant Guy Ritchie apologist. I'm the guy that saw King Arthur in theaters three times, so take all of this oh. with King Arthur <laughs> of salt. I own King Arthur on Blu-ray. Uh, King, like, Guy Ritchie is a guy that makes really frenetic style. He has a very comic book style pace. He's got a very comic book visual style. If you watch his movies, there's a lot of actual frames at work. He has this beautiful montage flavor that would work incredibly for a comic film. I think that Guy Ritchie is one of maybe the, like three directors that I think has been made for comic books that hasn't gotten a comic property yet. I'll I sign think, on I to think, that, yeah. Like, even, like his movies or hate them, Guy Ritchie, like look at Snatch, look at Lockstock. They're very comic-themed mm-hmm. books. So like Soderbergh, I think would do a great team movie. He, I think, would do a great solo or world-building movie. So I think Captain Britain, with the way things are shaping and with the rumor that he's in Spider-Man Homecoming, with things evolving the way they are with Marvel, Captain Britain's a great character choice and Guy Ritchie loves that source material. He knows that world. He makes movies about the non-superhero version of it. Throw in Henry Cavill who was recently available. (laughs) So my conspiracy theory is you know, the man wanted a mustache, give him a full beard. Let the man be Captain Britain. He's got time. Let him use his actual accent for once. He's always playing Americans. I think he'd be perfect. I think he's uh... I think I'm not wanting to cause a Marvel DC rift in this casting. I'm wanting to say he's a perfect superhero choice. He's a perfect Captain Britain choice. And him and Guy Ritchie know each other because Man from Uncle with Matt Vaughn, it's all one big family. Please. Now, as Ashley pointed out, <laughs> Captain Britain is, uh, he's, he's mutant family. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, his sister is one of the most famous of the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really know how this ties in with, as we know, the still ongoing rights thing and the fact that they said it would mm-hmm. be some time before we see any of this. I, w- like, I'd love to see it. And there's some cool newer interpretations of the Captain Britain mythology. Paul Cornell has done some really interesting oh, work on that stuff. God. And they've brought in some other characters that I would want to see pop up if they do this. But, like, it's bizarre and very left field. And this is a weird way to find out about it. <laughs> uh, it it'd be exciting, but how does it make sense? It, it doesn't make a ton of sense unless that deal is further along than we know, yeah. which it well could be. Uh, they also might have gotten some characters now and they'll get some characters late. Captain Britain is a pretty like low level Marvel not to disrespect him or anyone who likes him there's I love Excalibur there's great Captain Britain stories but like you know he's lower hanging fruit than Wolverine for example. Sure. Um Unless I keep trying to think of what could Captain Britain be a code name for, because you know sometimes movies operate under code names. Right. I can't come up with it, uh, so I'm really hoping that it is this character. And if you introduce him in Spider-Man, then are we getting the British Spider-Man? Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> he's probably going to be in the Spider-Verse movie, right? Because we're getting all the spiders over there. I would hope so. Well, and if he's in Spider-Man: Homecoming, that's a great soft intro. Mm-hmm. Then it, it it expands the world beyond just everyone being in New York, much less the United States. Like it's going to be an actual. Experience. Yeah. Then that and thing about Spider-Man being the portal into like Phase Four, and he is shoots in London. Like it's just international Marvel. And, and then the fourth gonna... movie of Phase Four is the Fantastic Four. It <sighs> all could be a thing. And I will now Red resume. On a board. Marvel can hire us at any time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, for all 
all the people that don't like me talking fast, I apologize. That conspiracy theory has been bouncing around my head for two days. I will now resume regular speed. But I really think there's a big <laughs> opportunity for Captain Britain for maybe Henry Cavill. That's a total stretch. But Guy Ritchie doing a superhero film, whether it's this one or another, I think that is a very exciting prospect. Mm-hmm. Whether you love him or hate him, I think the style suits the way comic films are going. And it certainly plays to Marvel's ongoing desire to make their films stand out from each other and yes, to make yeah. like interesting left field choices that that you might not like that might have a different it's it's a very Taika Waititi choice it is, it is. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing it. we want them all to lean into because they sort of like let the movie stand alone let them uh, have their own flavor so that you can pick and choose which ones are for you while all feeling like Marvel movies if they can do it great the feel of Sherlock action the monologuing in Snatch all of that is so comic-y but it's, it's also going to be a weird combo because, like, the, okay, Sherlock is a great example where I enjoy those movies, but it is strange because the sort of... But they're modern, not Sherlock. The, the, yeah, they're, and Captain Britain has sort of... He belongs to, like, a different mode of, like, mythology and British storytelling than this sort of fast-talking, oh, quip, Guy Ritchie, modern Sherlock thing. Mm-hmm. But does he have to? I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe I'll love the new version. Yeah. So oh, that, that's the thing. It's all a rumor. Fiza uh, codenamed Excalibur from the Paul Cornell run, and we'll see what yeah. happens. Excalibur. What is your favorite minor mutation of the week? Um, I'm very interested in all of the Swamp Thing updates. Yeah, uh, It's going to be hard R horror, which essentially just means they, like, it's funny because normally I'd be like, are you edging it out? And it's like, well, this one was like that. That's <laughs> what the book is like. Do not give it to is your Constantine kids. Is Constantine going to show up, and are we going to sleep with Abby, and are we going to have weird plant babies? <laughs> like, Swamp Thing gets super weird. It does. Super, super Super weird. The Alan Moore Swamp Thing is a mature reader's book. They basically invented having to put mature readers on comics for that book. Uh, and it deserves that kind of faithful adaptation. So I'm very excited about that. We have some some casting real news and some rumors that might be news. Yeah. Uh, we they're, they're in full production on that one. So, like... DC Universe has my money. We know that. It's been weeks. The Derek Mears rumor is is exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he is a horror legend, a horror icon. He brings a certain amount of horror cred. Like, no yeah, matter pedigree, what, it's going to... Yeah. yeah, there's a thing where people will see a movie if Derek Mears is in it, and those same people will want to see a Swamp Thing. So it's kind of like, hey, we know our audience. We're listening. Plus, it's Derek Mears. He's a beast. So Would he play Swampy it. and Alec Holland? Oh, or do you think they'll... I think just Swampy, but that'd be really exciting. Because it seems... That's interesting. That's an interesting question I hadn't thought about. About. If it, if it were me, I'd be like, I want to play both. But I could understand if you wanted like a meeker, um, maybe who who plays Ben Linus and Lost, Michael Emerson type, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be a little too old, but uh, I can see how you want to play with the dichotomy of that. But it'd be interesting. It'd be really interesting to see someone do both. Hmm. And there'd be a fun commentary on the duality of man situation. Little Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah, like that, that flavor. And Derek Mears, once again, it's really exciting. I also think that Abby Arcane, uh, Liz Tremaine, that, that whole situation, I don't know much of her, but I think that like the, the cred of these names is giving Swamp Thing a lot of more like credibility than I than I expected. Like They're going big with this thing. It's interesting, too, because this and Titans, and, and we've only seen the trailer for Titans, of course. I don't think Titans has finished filming. Um, but it's supposed to be coming first, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be. The streaming service has changed a lot in the year and a half that we've been hearing about it. Yeah. The Titans, I think, is supposed to be coming first. But they both seem pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting because, you know, DC does receive a lot of flack for the movies for being too dark if they're going to sort of continue in that style, which could be good. And if they're going to roll out more things like Young Justice that are a little brighter and a little yeah. more family-friendly because the streaming service is not just for us. Yeah. It's for tiny humans as well. <laughs> and they've said that they're moving forward with the solo Stargirl series. And the new and DC Superhero be, Girls. Yeah. With the new designs. But those are going to be on regular TV, right? Oh, are they? 
I might be wrong. <laughs> We're talking There's out of turn. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it looks great. And Swamp Thing looks amazing. Yeah. Can, we, can we talk about something we do know for sure? Yeah. Spider-Man PS4. <laughs> Spider-Man PS4 is, I think, the Iron Man of video games. Uh, it is not just the first thing with the Marvel brick. It is a change in tone in gaming culture. You think? I think so. I think I've seen people that are casual gamers. I've seen people that have never touched a console. I've seen people that it's gotten back into gaming. I've seen... It's the power of Spider-Man. It's really... It's, yeah. I think it's an impact that's going to restructure what gaming is. I think this is the beginning of a Marvel game wave. I think this is going to cause more games to fall through. I think it's going to interconnect. I think in five years we're going to look back at this like we did Iron Man. What do you want the second game to be? I think Just the next... To speak completely out of turn. I, I, think, <laughs> that, I think the next move is to bring in an, either an Avenger or uh-huh. to bring in a character that isn't in the films. So I'd either do like cool. an Iron Man or a Captain America. That way, mm-hmm. if people are upset when they're inevitably gone from the films, sorry, it, when I mean, that happens, yeah. <laughs> then that move. Or I'd say bring in like an X-Men game and then soft introduce the characters in the Marvel Universe now that you own those rights yeah. into the world. And that way you can world build, you can test drive, you can see what things merge together, and then you can slowly build into your universe. Cap would be cool if you could skin like the, the white guy Cap, uh, Bucky, Falcon Cap, Peggy Carter. Nomad. Like, uh, yeah, just to run down a little rabbit hole. universe, Peggy Carter cast. Yes. But if you think about it, this is an open Which world. Which comes from games. Yes. They've built an open world, right? So the actual world itself will be there. Everyone's in New York. Why not expand this universe? The Avengers Towers in this game. The Sanctum Centaurums in this game. Why not introduce the characters you've teased, build out from this? What's our game spoiler policy? Um, those are very light. Let's so go. So can I say that if you go ahead and give me a DLC where I can't, in, in, in addition to swinging by the Wakandan embassy, those doors will open uh, on up? I was going to say, <laughs> the potential for DLC in this game, um, having not played it yet, is amazing. Uh, and I do love that when you go by these iconic locations, you hear the themes. Yeah. Like that is, it's such a little thing, but it gives you such a visceral reaction. Like the first time I was watching someone play and they swing by and you hear the Avengers, you're like, oh, oh, we're yeah. doing this now? <laughs> Great. Like it's so weird. You and become an eight year old. I do. I have to say credit where credit's due. I'm in, I'm like 15% into this game and I'm madly in love with it. And I request that you please keep sending us your pictures because I've loved Adorable. the heck out of them. <laughs> uh, uh, and, but I do have to say credit where credit's due in a lot of ways uh i think that they are successfully utilizing the batman arkham model that like that's what we look back on where we're sort of like oh i feel like i am batman in this game Mm -hmm. um and you know even when i'm perching on things as spider-man i have to remind myself that it's normal for spider-man to perch on things and i'm not just doing batman's perch moves Um, (laughs) like and and so there is tonally there is something different they've taken the joy of like frankly the gta games are incredibly fun to wander around in mm-hmm. but they are based on wandering around and like stealing shit and, and they're that mean be, yeah and this game is not peter's a giant dork in this game but they're essentially they're taking all of these different things that we already know are fun mm-hmm. like perching from the shadows and taking down criminals as batman and wandering around a giant new york in grand theft auto and they're like what if that but spider-man so right. tonally i think it does represent something we'll be looking back at that's going to make a lot of new gamers that's doing all that but it's building on that foundation i, mm-hmm. I totally agree i totally agree. i just think for marvel this will be the beginning of a movement i think i think arkham gets all the credit thank you arkham i'm playing that next because i now am buying games uh but this <laughs> is really important i think to what video games can be and what cross promotion can be and the uh, the other missing ingredient uh that you need to also go back and make some time for every lego game 
I you must. Oh, yeah. you're gonna lose your mind. So this is is really interesting <laughs> because it's like that moment in in Civil War where you see Peter carrying the DVD player and the music comes on and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm about to experience the birth of a hero. Like that yeah. felt like that. This has happened to me like 20 times a day. Yeah. I'm playing this game and I keep getting rushes. Like I thought about live streaming it. I'm actually kind of glad I didn't because I'd be embarrassed. I stand up and <laughs> oh, go yeah. all the time. There Someone are, gift that. Someone gift that. <laughs> there are moments in my living room that I'm ashamed of by myself. Like me and Spidey Cat are playing and I'm like Spidey 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 and I just giggle and run around my room like a kid and I haven't felt that in years it feels like childhood it feels like Spider-Man I think this game is really important I think everyone should play it if I could just tag one more thing on um, as someone who came to this character through comics I think the most exciting thing is people being like oh I've gone back and picked up the Straczynski run or Dan Slott or uh, uh, the Stan Lee stuff that's the best thing that comes out of this is also seeing the photos that you guys take are amazing but seeing people take pictures of the Spidey comics that they're reading yeah. like just warms my heart. <laughs> I keep trying to pose in Spidey cover poses and take pictures and make that a cover. You so, should. That's so like amazing. Spider-Man number 70, I pose but in the Scarlet Spider outfit, so I redid oh, the I Spider-Man 70 yeah. cover as Scarlet Spider because like, I love that, but I was like, it was like the nerdiest thing. It took me like five minutes to like perfectly pose and I was like, oh, this is a weird thing I can do doing it. So Whoever sent Koi us- Spidey calendar 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever sent us the picture of the, the perfectly framed cover shot of Spidey in front of the Sanctum Sanctorum oh, window. beautiful. Thank you. That was Excellent. <laughs> Any other minor mutations we want to cover? We got a few. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, Black Lightning is going to be amazing because Black Lightning has always been amazing. Yes. And it's a really good teaser. Yeah. Uh, the Daredevil teaser week was exciting. Uh, I'm I'm devouring all of the Captain Marvel stuff. A lot of this was info we just didn't get to from the article last week. Right. Uh, I I'm I'm now twice as excited about Minerva because I saw Crazy Rich Asians and Gemma Chan is great. Oh, <laughs> she also uh, the second episode of Sherlock. She is the uh, curator in the museum. If people want to see oh, more of her, so, yeah, yeah, in the Blind Banker. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, okay. There you go. Does anyone else think that Jude Law is going to be a bad guy? I Captain really Marvel? want him to be Marvel. I think I'm he's going to be, gonna be so a bait and switch. Personally, I think he's standing with Rhodey. Is he a scroll who took the place of Marvel? I think so. Oh no! Are we going to see Marvel's classic death? I think. I think they're going to do that. They're going to give us him and Ronan the Accuser are going to be the thing, and that's going to lead Ronan the Accuser off into hating the Kree. Ah. And every photo, he's either framed like a villain, lit like a villain, or standing next to Ronan. I think Koi, he's stop a bad being guy. right. I just think, he's, I think Jude Law's a bad guy. I, oh, wow. That's my theory. I just wanted to call it out live. I like I that think, theory. I think in six months we'll go. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, that's a very interesting theory. He's lit either red in shadow, standing like a villain, or next to Ronan. I'm just saying, look at the photos. Right, and, and Marvel movies do tend to lean into those kind of storytelling tropes right. cinematically because they're based on comics. It's Shakespearean, yeah. and yeah. Jude Law yeah. is so Shakespearean. Very, very. So, I, that's and, what I think. And certainly, uh, it is not a secret to comic book folks that, like, Captain Marvel, Marvel was famous for a number of reasons, but uh, the most famous thing he ever did was die. Die, <laughs> die. die of cancer, no less. Which they, like, and you can't put that in this movie, but I wish they could, because there's actually great precedent for... <sighs> I think the visuals would play. Maybe I don't know. flashbacks? Maybe, maybe like on that high crane shot, you know, where you see everyone around his bed. I mean, it wouldn't obviously be the entire Marvel Universe, but, like, you could have some cosmic... We saw all those old uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Former, not old, I take, well, let me walk that back. <laughs> Former Guardians, you know, or classic Guardians. Yeah. You could do something like that. You could, I don't know. I think we should briefly touch on the uh, Avengers thing and then get to comics. Yes. So the Avengers isn't finished. 
Uh, they're doing reshoots, but they are... I mean, are we surprised? Well, it's fascinating, because how do you not... Like, they're organically doing the ending, according to Mark Ruffalo, and that's really interesting, because that movie comes out in May, slash April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is now September, and I'm not worried, because it's the team that it is. Uh-huh. Like, it's the only time this quote would come out and be like, that's fine. Any other movie would be like, what do you mean you don't have an ending? I don't think they're... I would assume, based on their sort of history of filmmaking, that they're, the stuff that they're reshooting isn't big effects stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming everything that they're reshooting is very, like, small, personal... And that the but that's big, the stuff that I would really hope done. they had nailed down. But you know what? Mark Ruffalo and uh, Tom Holland and Gwyneth Paltrow be coming out spoiling all this stuff. Yeah. So maybe they're reshooting it. They're, maybe they know exactly how it ends, but they're not telling Mark Ruffalo. They have the yeah. big yeah. scenes. are like, why do we keep working together? Like, we're just shooting some more extra stuff. They're, they're, the stuff yeah, they're doing happens. like the end of RuPaul's Drag Race where they crown all the winners so that nobody can spoil it. Like, that's what they're doing here. Is they're like, all right, well, we got 50 million left, so let's do seven more scenes. <laughs> So I just think it was interesting. Check out the quote. It's fascinating. I love filmmaking. I love the scope of what it can be and how small it can be. Check out Mark Ruffalo's quotes. But this week, we need to talk about a very important Kickstarter from (gasps) the lady on the left. What you doing? I'm doing my sophomore Kickstarter. Uh, everyone here at Heroes very generously let me come on and chat about Jupiter Jet when that Woo! was here. Uh, I co-wrote that with my co-writer and husband, Jason Inman, who you know also from Glider Heroes and from the Schmodown and all kinds of stuff. So we're doing a new book. It's called Science! Echoing in here, so it actually you works really well. That's yeah. mandatory. Uh, right you there. can find it at sciencecomicbook.com. It'll take you right to the Kickstarter. It's live right now. It is the story of 14 year old Tamsin Kuhn Trakru, who is the smartest scientist at the best science school ever called the Prometheus Institute, which uh, might tell you a little bit about what's going to happen yeah. to the school. Uh, it's a cool place where you can learn all about STEM. She has uh, assistant teachers that are flying robots that are kind of like, what if Herbie met Skeets? And had a baby and she comes there she's trying to find her place but she's not super happy about being there because her father used to be the headmaster and died mysteriously mm. but he downloaded his consciousness into her cool science glasses so he is leading her through uncovering the mystery of what happened to him but unfortunately that means he can see things like her cute roommate and their budding romance and comment on stuff like that which nobody at 14 wants their father no, to do uh, and while she's there everyone is working on a different project to win the Prometheus Institute Award for Superior Science in the first seven pages that are available on the Kickstarter uh, somebody builds rocket boots it doesn't work <laughs> so stat shows up with a stat fact and we teach you how to actually make rocket fuel because we wanted some educational value in it and her cute roommate discovers something that will tear the fabric of space and time and Tamsin has to decide if she's going to help the cute girl or if she's going to help her newfound family. She learns what is true, what is not true and that your found family can be as important as your biological family because that's something that I believe in. (laughs) And it's being published by Eisner nominated Bedside Press but when you make your own comic books you gotta pay for it. So Jason and I have put a lot of money into it and we're hoping that our supporters here will come to Kickstarter and it's a pre-order. This isn't going through Diamond. It's not going through Comic Shop. It's not a traditional published comic. So this is the only place that you can get it. And I just want to say that if you have watched Collider Heroes and you saw when uh, Mr. Ryan Sands was on mm-hmm. there, he contributed a print. Um, he's a comic book artist. He did a variant cover for Runaways that I know that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, we have a prize where you can have lunch with him and with us because he's very generous, but you have to get yourself to L.A. because plane tickets are expensive. <laughs> and because we came to comics as fans, everyone here is a fan. We have prizes like script reviews and portfolio reviews. Our big one is by Tom K. 
King, a uh, little indie writer, wow. uh, works on Batman, no big <laughs> deal. He's got a couple Eisners. Uh, he will read your script. He'll give you notes. Uh, you can get to know him. He's really fabulous. Shea Fontana, who writes Wonder Woman, is contributing a script review. Colin Bunn, X-Men Blue, Mitch Garrett's Mr. Miracle. So... Wow. If you're interested in making comics, not only can you get our comic and the prizes and everything else that we're giving away, but we're offering people a foot in the door because I want nothing more than to see people who donated on this show pimping their Kickstarters, and I'll be the first one there to donate. That would that's be so, so cool. Sweet. So yeah. So you guys have a, pro- a proven track record from Jupiter Jet. Um, that's that press is Hope Nicholson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a fantastic publishing track record. So I this is definitely going to happen. Love her. I have wanted to work with her for so long. She's a nice Canadian lady. So it was just a perfect. It was a perfect match, and we were really fortunate that she gave us her expertise because like you said um i don't think she's ever failed at a kickstarter <laughs> she's amazing oh i'm so excited this book is extremely my jam so i will obviously be backing it but so should you i love the story i love what you're doing with like getting people involved i love the team you've assembled that's all amazing that's that sounds amazing where do people look Thank for more information sciencecomicbook.com or my twitter <laughs> so check out the kickstarter check out science and uh let's talk about some other comics including oh, ryan sand's very own that's yes. amazing <laughs> For the pullist. So we got some good books this week. As ever, I'm always very excited about each and every one of our pulls. Our first pull is Daredevil number 608, which I will briefly mention is Charles Soule. It is a very interesting take. It feels like a 60s book. It's like a Silver Age flavor because it's got some like hijinks with Mike Murdock. Number four is Catwoman number three from the incredibly cool new run written and drawn by Joelle Jones. Love her. X-23 number four is our number three pick. X-23 is consistently one of my favorite characters, and this book is no exception. It is smart. It is fun. It is dark. Check it out. I love to make sure that you put new weird stuff on your list. And this week we have Cemetery Beach number one, which is from the team of Trees. It is Warren Ellis's oh. new indie. Trees has already been optioned for TV, so look at this one. And both of our number one pick is Runaways <laughs> number 13, wherein you can get two covers. One is, is good. It's, it's, uh, and then the oh, other one you, is one Ryan. Is, they're both they're exceptional. They're both exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> I just Look have a bias. It. I just love my boy Ryan. <laughs> Ryan Sands did the alternate cover, and Ryan Sands stars on the regular cover as Jeffrey Wilder is on the right, <laughs> and Ryan Sands is on the left. Uh, I am a big fan of Ryan. I love that a, an actor that loves comics as much as he does is playing a comic character, and then from that is drawing comics of his own character's it comic. It's yeah. to be that talented, it's so he was on the right drawing so himself into the cover there, and, the, and on the other side is Chris Anka's beautiful that's, uh, that's Carolina. So crazy. I'm sorry, I said that was wrong, but I yeah. guess <laughs> buy two copies. I try not to yeah, do that, yeah. but I fall for it all the time. Uh, and if you're in LA, Ryan is doing a signing at her two on Saturday. So. so he's a great dude, and he's a true ride or die sweaty. He loves, he breathes this stuff. So check out his cover, check out Runaways. It's, it's, brilliantly written it's a lot of fun and if you love the show it picks up in a very fun place and you don't have to have read all of the stuff before to really pick up at runaways number one it's but a fantastic you book should. you should yeah. <laughs> you don't have to anything jump out at you or that you wanted to add for the pull list oh i definitely am interested in runaways of course i've been pulling that but i hadn't heard about cemetery beach and as someone who makes indie comics i love supporting indie comics so i'm very excited to look out for that it's it should be fun. It's like a, a weird asylum in an alternate dimension. Have you read it? You've read it? I haven't read it yet. Oh. I, I'm pulling this one sight unseen based on it being Warren Ellis and based on just anytime he's got a new thing, you're like, what are you doing, Warren Ellis? Totally. 
Text me your thoughts. <laughs> and I, I got to really suggest X-23 because it's only four issues in. And Tom Taylor just wrapped a run on X-23 before, which was called Wolverine. And this, it picks up in a, in a different way. And you really fall in love with this character that on paper shouldn't work as well as she does. Yeah. On paper, this character doesn't really like, it seems like a cop-out. And they've made this character anything but a cop-out. And every run of X-23 has a different take on her. She's almost like Bond. Like, it's always different and interesting. And yeah. this is a really fun run. And I, I'm just so impressed with the character. Uh, do we have time for quick two Twitter questions? We got to power through. Yes, Whiteboard of Justice, five minutes. All right, our first Twitter question. No, you're going to take this one. Look oh, at this. Oh, okay, Come on. I see what it is, I, man. I was trying to be there. Saving this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ben Riley month continues with uh, if they were to do a Ben Riley in an MCU Sony Spider Man movie, would you want Tom Holland to play a Peter Parker clone or another actor that looks somewhat like Tom Holland? I say dual roles for Tom Holland, and that is from Mitchapedia at Mitchapedia. I have Gurf. been saving this question since Corey was in Ireland because I was like, <laughs> as soon as we have time, I'm putting it on the run. Rogue is like, take it out of the thing. Why is Ben Riley in my face every week? <laughs> I think Tom Holland should play both roles, like Jake Gyllenhaal and Enemy, like Lindsay Lohan and Parent Trap, which are the two that come to mind. Uh, R.I.P. Lindsay Lohan's career. I mean, she's <laughs> setting up a thing in Dubai, like a club. Anyway, um, I think it's really interesting when actors play opposite themselves. And mm-hmm. the thing I love about Ben Riley is the concept that with great power, with meets, when with great power comes great responsibility. When you break. Identity crisis. When you're so overwhelmed by responsibility, that's a DC story. Coy. I know. Get your <laughs> no, no. The concept of not knowing yourself to a level yeah, that you yeah. can't imagine if you were you or not. No. Like he actually doesn't know if he is himself. That is like when you've let responsibility run rampant. When you can't take the burden. Spider-Man has a lot of weight in his shoulders, and sometimes he snaps. That's why I like the Clone Saga. I get a lot of guff for liking the Clone <laughs> Saga. But for me, it's the idea that like you've run out of things to cope, and now you're like, am I real? Have I been me this whole time? Is that me? Who am I? And then. Ben Riley is a visual manifestation of the 90s. So he's this bleach. He worked at the Friends freaking ca- coffee shop effectively. He had a really 90s suit, both in Scarlet Spider and in Spider-Man. So the Ben Riley character is a really interesting take on responsibility and what it means to identify with oneself. And I also think it deals with the male ego. It deals with like the id. It deals with so many concepts of psyche that don't get enough credit in that run because everybody's like, ah, Clone Saga. So I think Tom Holland should play both because it gives him the chance to both portray the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man we've seen and also a darker side or a more insecure side depending on how he wants to play it and I think Tom Holland is a strong enough actor if you've seen his Oscar films if you've seen anything other than Spider-Man he can handle his own so him opposite himself would be a beautiful tour de force and might give Clone Saga the credit I think it deserves as long as he dyes his hair blonde I'm of all for Tom Holland playing both parts <laughs> and what is your theory before the show I love this oh yeah so I have a big theory I really want Ben Riley to come back and I think the most interesting way to bring him back is we know that Silk and Peter have this attraction because they were bitten by the same spider they're kind of like magnetic drawn to each other they're never going to be together because peter's always going to wind up with mary jane i don't care what you do and how many girlfriends you give them they're going to get married and have a baby uh, but i think ben riley and cindy silk would be really great together as a couple because you could explore that relationship more than like the three or four issues that have done that in the past and i think it's a great way to rehab this character because silk is a really popular character so if you put ben riley alongside her and you kind of write her for him for a more modern audience i think people would be really into that and then put silk in a movie 
Yep. That's all, all of the above. It's a fantastic pitch. I'm just going to take it back, actually, to the game, because when you alluded to Spider-Man having weight <laughs> on his shoulders, how about that opening scene in the Ditko homage in the first oh. mission that you have as Spidey? Mm, it's real good stuff. It's uh-huh. real good. It's I love good. that people have jokingly suggested that, like, if you do a Ben Riley movie, you could bring one of the other Spider-Man actors back <laughs> to do that, and that's really fun oh, to talk about. Oh, that's a cute idea. But, of course, like, it would be, it would make the most sense and be the most compelling to let Tom Holland do both and mm. let, uh, let us stare into his face as he wonders who he is. That's the beauty of the Clone Saga. Without yeah. that, it doesn't really land as well. And Tom Holland loves the Clone Saga. He's on record. This has been a bunch of very serious discussion about the Clone Saga. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. welcome. Continue to call us. Uh, do we have time for the sweaty question? One minute. One minute. Uh, Leslie at Star Power 10 asks, what actor or actress do you want to see in a comic book movie but not sure what character should they portray? For me, it has to be Ava Green. Hashtag Collator Heroes. You got to pick? Uh, Viggo Mortensen because he should be in all things always. Ben Foster and Ron Swanson himself. I want to see Nick Offerman. Ben as Foster's anything. been a superhero. Yeah, but it was barely. It was seven minutes, and it wasn't my angel. Hashtag not Warren Worthington the third. Ben Foster's intensity deserves the time to shine and fly. Mine was for some reason. I just I want. I know she's already in Guardians too, but I just want more uses of Michelle Yeoh. Just figure out more stuff. To I do would with agree. Michelle Yeoh forever. I will watch all of them. Yeah. This has been Collider Heroes 270. <laughs> Sweaty in a hurry. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Ashley Robinson. For Thank you back. for having me. Check out our Kickstarter. And until next week, stay sweaty. Stay sweaty. Hey, everybody. Mark Ellis here. Thanks for watching this episode. You want to watch more? Then click up here. Or you can click right here for more great content from Collider. If you haven't subscribed to Collider Video, do so right now. And share this vid with your friends. Thanks for watching. People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpastes created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, Pronamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit Ibotta to earn cash back.